Welcome to Tiki Central Canada. Ever wonder what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and God, get me a drink now. Here's your hosts, Craig, Paula, and Mark, and their wacky views in drinks, life, and maybe information. Hey folks, how's it going today? This is, uh, welcome to Tiki Central Canada. I'll be your bartender, mixologist, and hopefully information for the hour. Grr. There's my little bit of grr in there for you guys today, because today is September 19th. It is Talk Like a Pirate Day. And of course, every year, uh, there you go. You can hear it in the background. Our guests we have every year, Rob and Erica. How are we doing? Outstanding, sir. Outstanding. I'm and doing very well, too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it took a little bit of, to get everybody on the screen and everybody connected. It was quite the challenge, but everybody's here, including Mark, our co-host. And how are we doing today, Mark? We're doing fantastic. Mark is our tiki expert, or he says, basically, he says, drinks heavily. That's his solution to the problem. If rum isn't fixing the problem, you haven't had enough rum. I think you just do it so you can get through the winter. You know, those six months seem like a long, long time. So the rum kind of helps you get through it, right? Yes. Time flies when you're having rum. Yes, that's right. That should be on a T-shirt somewhere. Exactly. Yes. Yes, yes. So unfortunately, Paula is not going to be with us today. She's still traveling the world. Yes, but she will be on the next one for, for sure, folks. And uh, so anyways, I'm uh, hoping everyone is staying safe. Uh, it's strange. It's like you think that, you know, the, the cases are going down and nobody's got it. And this is sort of slowly trickling away. And sure enough, I've had just in this last two weeks, three different people I know that actually have got COVID. So it's it's still out there. You still have to be a little careful on, you know, when you're around. I actually have started to notice more and more people are starting to go back to wearing masks again. I don't know about in your area or there, Rob and Erica. But um, yeah, I've started to see a little bit more frequent of the masks. I say here, I've known more people in the last few months that had COVID than the previous two, three years. It's been crazy. Yeah. But at least um, more of us are uh, vaccinated. I know I've had four. And if they come out with a fifth, I'll get it when I'm eligible. Um, boost me up. Um, but that's what's uh, keeping people that I know out of hospital. Both my parents had it. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, yeah. And uh, but because they they both had all four shots, um, they stayed out of hospital. They were sick at home. They recovered at home. Uh, my mom took a little longer to get over it, but uh, she did. And uh, yeah, thanks to the vaccines, they they got over it uh uh, without you know medical intervention, so I'm I'm really I, I got it. glad Actually, of I that. Had it. I yep. had it in May. Oh wow! I had it in May, and it was it was just a really bad flu. But thankfully, I had all three shots, so yep. yeah, it was just really really sick. I, I think that's what most people are saying is just like it's a bad cold or or, uh, or fever or whatever. It's strange because actually, if I remember correctly, the last time we recorded last year, your son was sick, and you weren't quite sure if he had COVID. He actually had positive. He tested negative that day. Um, but you're right. Yeah, he was really, really ill. Um, but he was it was it was a flu. It wasn't uh, COVID, but he was pretty sick. But he tested negative that morning. Um, so, yeah, exactly. I and mean, people actually get scared because those things still exist. We still have flus and fevers and coughs. And so it's 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 tough because you think, OK, I've got a fever or a flu. Do I have COVID or, you know, and of course, employees, like example, I run a bar. Um, if someone calls in sick, I have to say, sorry, you can't come back until you test negative and it's still happening. That's the thing with people wearing masks is also protecting us from just being sick. So now that we aren't wearing masks, that's when everyone's starting to get the plague, you know, different types of illnesses. Exactly. Our, our boys have been in school now for two weeks. So, uh, one's, one's feeling a bit sniffly. So, uh, we're expecting someone to get something quick. Exactly. Cool. All right. So guys, let's go on to the show. Ah. Uh, we're all, waiting all year for this wonderful adventure. That's it. it is the highlight of our year when it comes to the pirates. That's it. So, Craigie, yes, what sir. are we talking about today? Well, today we'll be talking about talking like a pirate day today. Like I said, September 19th, and the cocktail will be a French pirate. Ooh. Ah, the French. All right. So, first, actually, let's 
to give everyone who hasn't listened to the show in the past, the talk like a part show, Rob, you want to give your credentials and exactly all the things that you're involved in, like including the Pirate Society? So I kind of came into this a very interesting way. So I'm actually 35 years in the Royal Canadian Navy. Um, I'm a uh, naval warfare officer, lieutenant commander. I drive ships. I'm a navigator. Um, wow. So interesting why being a pirate. So I say that I, you know, I was a big, big love the pirates, love the tall ships, and said, hey, I'd do that Navy thing for a bit. Uh, I got a, little, uh, got a little carried away, kind of got away from me. But what it does is it meant that I can, I learn, I know a lot of like basic maritime history. I've, I've become kind of a, a student of that. So what happened, I'm, an, I'm a member of the International Pirate Community. So it's an official group, uh, board of directors for the International Pirate Rendezvous last year that was down in um, Long Beach, California. So there were pirates from all around the world, including Europe. Wow. It had been canceled several times and oh. was able to do it in Long Beach during the Long Beach Pirate Festival, which is huge down there. Americans love this. California, Texas, Florida, huge for the pirates. Uh, in two years, it's going to be in the UK. It's going to be Brexham. Brexham? 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 Brexham, yes. Brexham, thank you. Brexham in the English Riviera. Yes, English Riviera, which is like really tiny, apparently. And I'm just like really... It's all relative, I guess, when it comes to England. But if, as, as time goes by, it might get nicer. Um, and it's like the whole town turns into a giant pirate festival. So we're doing that in two years. Um, actually, some of you guys might be interested in is we're trying to put together a pirate, Canadian pirate rendezvous. Might be in Ottawa next year. Oh, that would be very cool. Yeah, so we'll definitely keep you guys in, informed on that. For sure, for um, sure. So yeah, so keep you guys informed. And what also Erica and I and some others, we run a pirate group called Cut and Run, uh, play on words. There you uh, go. It's an, an, an awful <laughs> term about when you have to get out, you cut the, the hawser and the anchor away and you run the hell out of there. So people are going to, for some reason, they catch you. And it's a really, it's a, it's a group that we've been doing stage combat for 20 plus years. We're a group that's done that, that done the theater. And we always said that, well, why don't we just, you know, we always did the Renaissance shows that had a lot of sword fighting and, you know, we you know, had to learn the lines. Well, why don't we just get rid of the lines and just do the sword fighting? So we started to do more and more of that. And we have a group that uh, performs at pirate festivals. It's a, we do a, a kids show. So we teach you teaching kids how to fight with swords. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So it's actually with like boffer swords that we've made and with the uh, pool noodles and such. But we also do history. So we do history of the pirate weapons, how certain weapons came to be, why, why they, the pirates adapted certain weapons. Uh, yep. but also then we do some other um, kind of um, historical stuff like called the heaving line. So you would actually have a target and we show people how to use the special line and throw it and to hit a target. Uh, we're also doing with ropes, teaching knots and such like that. So it's kind of blending that all my time in the Navy, my love of the tall ships, maritime lore, putting it all together. I'd love to swing a sword and beat all my friends and vice versa. <laughs> and that's how we got. And they got your anger. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. But also, you know, you know um, wearing big giant hats and drinking rum. But not when the swords are out. Swords go away, then the rum Nice. But the hats stay on. So, Erica, I got a question for you. So, since COVID, I'm sure a lot of these events have been canceled. So, now that COVID's kind of starting to get to near its end, or at least we're a little more, less restrictions, have you seen in these events people coming back, the tents come back? Because I noticed you guys had one on your Facebook page of like sword fighting with the kids and stuff. Yeah. So, have you seen an, an increase now? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, that was the pirate festival in Guelph mm -hmm. and it was canceled over COVID at least a couple of years, at least two years canceled once because of ninjas. Ninjas, um, that's, ninjas and pirates. That's an inside joke. Mm. Ninjas versus dun, dun, dun. pirates. Yeah. But so this last summer um, we performed there and they had record attendance, absolutely record attendance. Awesome. Um, so obviously people were desperate um, for to get out, to get entertainment, to enjoy pirate shows and just festivals in general. Um, there were so many kids coming to our show, we had to turn them away. Um, yeah, we just didn't have, we didn't do enough shows. It, we yeah. could have added two more shows each day. Um, it was three days of just thousands of people attending Holy and chaos. having an amazing wonderful. time. Yeah, uh, we were rusty. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you haven't been here for two years, right? So all of a sudden right. now you got to get back in the routine. Yeah. yeah, I think by the second or third show on the first day, it was like, oh, yeah, that's how we do this show. 
<laughs> you can write all the notes you want. Okay, at this stage we do this joke. At this stage you do this joke. But then two years later you go, what, what did I write? I can't. I don't know well, what that said. Yeah, and the timing and, only, and the timing too, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's only so much you can rehearse without an audience. It's not like a play. It's not like rehearsing a play. Yeah. It is interactive with an audience. So you can only do so much without an audience. As soon as you add the audience, that's an element that you can't rehearse. And it was something we hadn't done in so long that we had to remember things. And halfway through, we were, you know, saying to each other, looking at each other, going, oh, yeah, do we do this now or that now? What comes next? And but you have to write you have to write it into the show and do it like your pirate character as best you can. And, you know, it's an inside joke. Everyone knows it's been a while and you just have to have fun with it. And uh, and the audience loved it. Nice. So I imagine a few times you guys probably kind of had to ad lib because you kind of like lost the timing of the whole. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. But um, we've been doing it for so long and we've been together for so long um, that it's really easy for us to ad lib. We sort of anticipate, but we did still have to get the timing down because you were rusty, even ad libbing with each other. That was rusty in front of an audience. So to, it took a while to um, to find our our stride. We were in rough seas for a little while. Yeah, to keep the show tight because you only give them so much much time before the next show somewhere else will start. So mm-hmm. if you're going to keep within that forty five or half an hour or whatever, it's like okay, we got to roll this. We got to keep going. And there were sometimes that we came up with some like absolute gold new material that just kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm like, I gotta write that down, gotta write that down. I'm gonna keep that. that. I'm gonna keep that. that. That was good. Let's do that next time, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> and it's conditions of like what's going on or other people that are in the sh- like uh, other other acts. So you yeah. can always like kind of play off of what they're doing. Um, or you know, just some like you know, see someone in the audience. Uh, part of the show we talk about like we get the kids to yell, like we get them to what their pirate name and what's their pirate yell, you know, fearsome yell like Blackbeard. And so it would go on about you know, Blackbeard, how fearsome he was. And we had slow match in his beard and he would light it and he would come across and it would be scary. There's one one time a guy was there with a the perfect Blackbeard black beard beard. And I was like, that guy, that guy there, you, sir, you, sir, come here, come here, sir. I need to show, I need to show everyone your wondrous beard. And, you know, can we find some slow match and show you? And he just was beaming from ear to ear. His kids thought it was the best thing ever. Big points yeah. for dad, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So you always, you always find those little things you put in there. And now from now on in, it's like, I gotta look for a guy with a beard. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are getting back in the act and that uh, you're getting up there because, I mean, yeah, like you said, like a lot of people have been locked down for two years and I've noticed that. Just every, even like here in Ottawa, any kind of musical event we've had in the last couple of months, it's like everyone's going. Like even people who didn't go to concerts before are going to concerts now because they're just like, I just I need to get out. I need to do something well, outside the house. There's a new pirate festival just started this year up in Aurelia, and it's it's a it's amazing. It's actually sponsored by their Chamber of Commerce, so there's no fee to get in there, and they actually have crews coming with boats. And they're firing cannons at each other. And all ah, these different man. groups from the states now coming up, other ones in Quebec and around where they have cannons they fire off and they're doing other demonstrations and have all period looking tents and such like that. So uh yeah, we already already talked to, to them. Their their guy reached out to us and it was mm-hmm. like, Yeah, because there's oh, we need more kid stuff. <laughs> that's, that's us you're talking about. So yeah, it looks like we'll probably be working on that next year as well. So just getting nice. bigger and bigger. And then what we're doing. You know, this is September 19th, and the next weekend actually is Oxford Renaissance Festival near London, and we're going to be uh, performing there for the weekend. Nice. And you were, you were mentioning off, 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 off the one before we're recording that it's kind of a mix of like medieval Viking pirate. I, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a Renaissance festival, so they're jousters, uh, so that kind of something to do with, you know, yeah, medieval times sort of thing, the things you'd see, you know, kind of joking on TV. But they've, they've brought in other groups as Viking encampments. So they'll all be set up. Uh, there's a pirate uh, band who'll be playing. So there's some other pirates there. Uh, Viking, yeah, Viking encampment, Viking encampment uh, jousters, the vendors. All the vendors are basically the same to go around. And the actors, the actors are pretty much the same. We'll have the same people. So you only know them all. They just play different roles in different, yeah. different costumes. Oh, very cool. Small community, as we were talking earlier, it's a small community. So everybody knows each other. Um, and that's, uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. They might not totally fit what we do, but we'll, this is a test, but you know, they came to us and said, Hey, would you be interested in, in doing this? And we said, Hey, let's talk and we'll see, we'll see what we do for next year. 
it's a really good time right now for a lot of these pirate groups and pirate bands. It's a good time for pirates. It's a good time to be a pirate. A pirate. <laughs> it's a good time to be a pirate. <laughs> yes. And drink. Yes. Speaking about drink, we probably should get to actually what we normally talk about on the show, which, of course, is a cocktail. So you actually found a cocktail for pirates? Yeah, we've done some in the past. We did the uh, Bombo. We did the Grog. So this one I found on the Internet. It's called the French Pirate. So what is this recipe? Where'd you find it? So, uh, yeah, I found it online, but it, of course, you know me, I always like tweak these recipes. So the original recipe was online and I'll put the link for it. Um, it just, yeah, it just didn't hit me the right way. So of course I had to tweak it. And so I uh, guess I'm giving you my spin of a French pirate. So, uh, the reason why it's actually called a French pirate is because the ingredients are coming from France. So Quattro and Brandy are from France. And also, too, uh, to make it pirate, I actually use Pooser's rum. And then to make it tiki, because because we are tiki central, I put in florum in there. So, Rob and Erica, do you guys want to explain, maybe one of you two want to explain about the Pooser's rum and its history and its origin? I'm going to let Rob do that. You mean the Pusser's rum? Yeah, the Pusser's. Every year we talk about this. (laughs) Anyway. No, so because there's Pusser's no R in there. Rum. They took the R out, right? So it's, yeah. Well, no, no. It Pusser, the Pusser is the nickname for the, the, the purser. Yes. Sailors are simple folk. We are very simple folk. Yes. And we don't like to use words, letters. If we don't use a letter. We can take a letter out and make the word even shorter. So you take an so R purser. out of it. Yeah, well, Pusser. So Purser. All the, the letters you can purse. take out, the R. Yeah, well, the R, because it's a constant, it's a hard constant. It's easy to take out. So it's pusser, yeah. pusser, pusser. Yeah. So it ends up that, so the purser, the purser is the guy who had, the, had the, the purse of the ship. So he could go and buy all the supplies and he controlled the supplies. He yes. also controlled the rum. So he would, ha- he would requisition the rum for the ship for the toss that would be given each day around four o'clock. So what would happen, or well, basically it's the, the end of the afternoon, eight bells of the afternoon watch. Uh, sometimes it was also done at 11 a.m., so that was six bells of the, the forenoon watch. And it was, but, but the thing is, as technology progressed, it was obviously really dangerous to have your sailors drunk. Yes. So people could get hurt. So mm-hmm. the Navy or you could decided, fire off a missile. <laughs> you could do a fire off a missile. You could do all sorts of crazy things, and you know, you could drive the ship into something and go, oh, drunk. you know, or the engine could blow up, the boiler could blow up, all sorts of things, or people could be cut. In asunder, you know, this sort of stuff with all the technology with, you know, engines, things rolling. So yes. what they decided, the Navy decided to do is, nope, we are no longer going to give their tot of rum. So that was called Black Tot Day. And then the Royal Navy was the 31st of July of 19, uh, 1970. Uh, in yes. Canada, actually, it was May the 30th in 72. The poor Americans, it was like 1914. But the New Zealand Navy, and I have some very good friends in the New Zealand Navy, and we laugh about this all the time. It wasn't until 28th of February, 1990. <laughs> wow. So they had some uh, extra time on that. Yeah. Jeez. So those, those, those crafty Kiwis, right? But then what <laughs> happened is they did Black Talk Day. And it was like, oh, we got all these, you know, well, obviously don't, they're not just in time buying this stuff. They buy this stuff and store it. So they had all this rum. The pusser, the, the pusser had all this rum. What were they going to do about it? So the Navy decided, a company came to them and said, look, we will sell this rum for you. And we will give you the, some of the proceeds for your sailor's benevolent fund. So for retired sailors, mm-hmm. as long as we can use the name and then the recipe to make the rum. Yes. So that's what they did. And then that's why you have, like we've talked before about gunpowder proof. Yep, uh, I got it. 50, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, 57 percent. <laughs> Have you ever tried it? Have you ever yes, tried to yes. light it? No, no, no. Have you tried to light it? Oh, no, no. I haven't tried to light it, no. Yes. So I, I still have a friend who's got black powder, and we actually still intend to go out and test it. So if you if you soak, if you put some of the rum on black powder and with a very long match, light it. If yes. it's just kind of fizzled and kind of burned, it was below 57%. If it goes boom then it's 57% or higher. Yeah. So you can actually test it. And uh, I uh, no, I won't be doing it in my house. <laughs> Maybe in the backyard or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, where Erica's looking at me like, oh, yeah, this is not going to go. Just do it. Do it. So yeah, this is that, that whole like, Deadpool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Nice. So, so that's where, and so, and if you go to the site, the, the Pusser site, um, 
They have all sorts of you know, their history. They have all the different types of rums, all sorts of cool paraphernalia, and you know, even Christmas cakes. They're soaked in rum, and they do a lot of very interesting playing on their history, which is fantastic. So yeah, yeah, yep. Passage rum. Passage, and that passage. that in cocktails. They also have some cocktails on there, which of course one of them is a painkiller. So that's on there as well, which actually you have to use Pusser's rum. You have to use that rum for that that drink. Yeah, exactly. You buy the, and I actually had a bottle of it, uh, of the mix, of the paint-colored mix you can get off the website. Oh, nice. All this talk. So what did you actually tweak your recipe to look like? He asks, let's, okay, let's give you guys the recipe. So we're going to do one ounce of Pusser's rum. Uh, we're going to do a half ounce of Cointreau. That's the France liqueur. Half an ounce of, of brandy. Again, um, I use actually St. Remy's VSOP brandy. Uh, again, another France product. Half an ounce of simple syrup, half ounce of lime juice, and a bar spoon of fleurum. So you can always tweak this. By the way, every recipe I always give you guys on the show, we can always tweak it. You can change the rum out to another rum you like. Fleurum, if you want to add more fleurum to make it a little more tiki, a little more herbal, you can definitely do that as well. Um, you know, play with it. Take the basic recipe. This is what I do with recipes. I take the basic recipe and then I kind of make some alterations and I make it to what I like. And uh, this is exactly what I did with this recipe. There was another a bunch of other stuff that was added to it. And I just didn't like the way it came across. And I kind of a little bit of modifications. There we go. It's amazing. I'm looking forward to trying that because unfortunately I don't have some of those recipes. He's got to get fleurum. What I you need is you need some friends in the States who can like ship it up to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as I said earlier, basically how I, I did my substitution. So instead of the, the Pusser's rum, I used uh, my own white rum to answer that. Uh, I didn't have the Contro or the St. Remy, so I didn't put that in, but I did put simple syrup and I did put lime in the uh, flour. Uh, daiquiri. There we go. Oh, daiquiri is what I said. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, we talked about this before in the show, is that a daiquiri actually was created by the Royal Navy and by pirates. Exactly, because it was the sugar and the lime uh, put into the rum. Because, you know, you don't trust water and that kind of stuff. And they wanted the water down to get some taste to it. That's right. Pirates, hey, they, they'd use a lot of their whatever loot and plunder, you know, when they sell all the goods and stuff. Yeah, they would spend their money on getting things like sugar and spices and stuff like the bumbo we did last, last year. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And one of the reasons why they actually added sugar, because the rum was not, like the distilling process wasn't really refined back then. So it was kind of harsh. So if you add the sugar to it, you could, it was, you know, you could actually drink it. <laughs> yeah, because I call it kill devil. It was, yeah, it was like That's devil. right. Yeah, exactly. Is this um, shake it, stir it? Do you have to put it in a pirate hat? Oh, uh, there we go. Yes, you're actually going to shake all this into a shaker with ice. You're going to straight it into a coupe or a daiquiri glass, which, of course, you know, every pirate's got. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I've got several in my great cabin. Of course. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And you garnish it with a cherry. Yeah, I mean, if it was a bigger volume to this, I would definitely put it into obviously a, a, a flask or a, a mug of some kind that would be obviously a little more. Yeah, put in a good you know, pewter mug sort of thing, right? Like my one wooden tanker, which I'm drinking out tonight. There we so, go. Or, or my mason jar, which I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> one of the first principles, like to see that. That's good. That's good. There we go. <laughs> and what's exactly in the mason jar there, Mr. Mark? Oh, it's uh, Strictly Rum. <laughs> strictly which, Rum. Which rum are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Pussers. Oh, you put Russell. Okay, there you go. Nice. Nicely done. All right. So we're going to do some pirate talks. So Robert and Erica, so give us some terms that pirates life, you would see, like, say, example, like some of the weapons they might have used, or maybe some of the terms they might have used on the ship to give, like, orders or chores like what was some well, we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk just like straight up talk about weapons and then okay. like the orders and the type of stuff that you would give for that right so when we talk about that when we do our show is like we it's funny we bring out things like a it's a, like a big long sword you see the scalibur and you're talking hey is this sharp and then all the kids go yeah go, no no would this be useful on a pirate ship yeah no no not at all or a big rapier you know i have a, like my 42 inch rapier something out of pirates of the caribbean and i go haha and i put my sword like way up above my head and I said, do you think this is functional? Or this is good for a ship? All the kids go, yeah. Go, no, no, no. There's like things up here. So that's when we talk about the cutlass, like the sword, the favorite sword of the pirate, the cutlass, which is essentially like a short saber. It's short. It's sharp. Uh, the edge is sharp. Good for cutting. It can stabby, stabby, because it's all about pointing, putting the pointy end in the other guy. Mm-hmm. And pirates really weren't all that skilled fighters. So it was all about the hack and slash. We also then would talk about boarding axes. So once again, it's a tool. It's a tool that they would be, they would have on the ship that they would know how to use. You'd go ashore and get firewood. You take your, your axe. 
they call it a boarding axe because one of the things is a lot of times when you're trying to board, they put a, they throw the grappling hook and the line to try to pull the other ship across. Well, you can use the axe to cut those lines. Or if ah. in battle that uh, you know spar or mast would fall and you have lines everywhere and you can you, know, you could use that to cut them. Uh, a boarding pike. So a boarding pike is a six to eight foot long wooden pole with essentially a spear with a hook on it. So oh okay. And so that'll be used as a as a, a bill hook, like it could actually be used to hook somebody or stab somebody, but it's also used as an actual um, um, a, a bill hook to, to it's another way, a hook to actually for line that's in the water because it's going to yeah. hook on it. So you can pick up the line. And then you go into then your, your black powder weapon. So you have anything from like a flintlock pistol. And that's where we talk about Blackbeard, because one of those, he was the, the he was the master of intimidation. So he would come you know, swing across or, or board uh, with his beard, uh, with the slow match of burning, fearsome pirate yell, his eyes all crazy. He would have six to eight pistols oh, wow. uh, tied with ribbon around around his neck. So they're all kind of hanging and you could just keep, you know, firing these and scare everybody and uh, surrender. Uh, you would have muskets, you know, so those are more of a long, like you'd see traditional, like the Polyonic sort of thing. But those are only useful when you're firing from one ship to the other. Battles in the in the Golden Age of Piracy or this tall ship were brutal, face to face. The thing about the cutlass is you had this big metal guard, and you would end up you know, punching at her with a pommel, hitting hitting the guy, or a little dagger you'd pull it to hit. So the, the musket would be used, you know, as you're getting closer as as like more sniping. You have a blunderbuss, which is essentially a big. It's another sort of, you know, it was like a, like a, a musket sort of idea, but shorter. And it would actually be a much bigger barrel. So you put all sorts of just stuff down it and it would just spray out. And then right up to then you get cannons where you have swivel mount, which would be like a four pound ball or musket balls put in. And this would actually be mounted on the railing of the ship. So hmm. as you're getting closer and the enemies are out there to, to board, you suddenly swing this thing around and, you know, a shower of, of musket balls to, to like a sigh cutting down the enemy force, and then you have all of your cannons, which are deck cannons, like from 12 pounds, the British, you know, they had these 36 pound cannonades, it was what in the, the base in Battle of Trafalgar, what the British had, and mm -hmm. they could come up close to the the French and just pound the snot out of them <laughs> uh, with these giant cannonades. And because it was a very warfare sort of fight, that, you know, a lifestyle, they had a lot of different terms for this. Like no quarter, the term no quarter. If a pirate rose a red flag, the Joliet Rouge, that yes. meant no quarter, which is fighting to the death. They uh, were not going to ask for quarter and they were not going to give quarter. Because right. the reason of quarter is that usually that when you when you took a ship and you took people who were worth something, you would actually you could ransom their quarter of their year's pay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So quarter was, yeah. So quarter I was it was uh, oh, yeah, the cool one, wallop. You know the term wallop? You heard that one before? You know, wallop somebody? Yeah. That came from the, the Golden Age of Sail. Uh, devastating attack. So, during the time of King Henry VIII, there was um, in the time, uh, town of Brighton in England, uh, French attacked and, uh, and burnt it down. Well, the king dispatched Admiral Wallop to attack the French coastline in revenge. And he did such a thorough job of burning and pillaging down the coast. That, and there was a, such a devastating attack. So there was then from then on in a devastating attack was called a wallet. Oh, okay, okay. Now, a question for you, by the way. Um, yep. just, just my reading and parts and stuff like this is that for the most part, usually if you surrendered your ship and your, your loot, whatever, or whatever treasures or whatever supplies you had on the ship, they would let you go. It was very rarely they actually would kill the entire crew, right? Either they yeah. Hire you one as a crew, or basically, like there was times like Blackbeard, yes, who have no survivors, right? Yeah, well, there was a couple. There were a couple pirates that were uh, pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, but even Blackbeard, he, he, he wouldn't. Once again, Eric is going to talk later. Uh, dangerous life. You got cut. You would probably get infected and probably die. So no one really wanted. We preferred you to give up. So, you know, shot across the bow, the term you saying, shot, shot across your bow, which was firing a cannon across the bow of the ship. It's like, you know, heave to, but prepare to be boarded. You know, lower, lower your flag and give up and we'll just steal your stuff. Now, the only people that could get pressed 
Or if there was a specialist on board, like a carpenter or a doctor or a really good cook, and you really wanted someone to cook well on the ship, those people would be highly encouraged to join the crew. Yes. And there's actually records, and Eric will talk later about some, some justice stuff. Is there's some records of actually certain people getting a, like getting um, being found innocent because they stated, "Look, I was a carpenter. I was pressed into service. I did not want to be with these pirates, but they made me do it." Wow. So sometimes they would do that. They would they would do that, or and and some people are really rich. Yeah, they would actually ransom. So they would keep them temporarily. Like, hey, Julius Caesar is probably the best example of someone who was who was taken by pirates and ransomed. Um, they said how much they're going to ransom him, and he laughed at them. Said, "You should ask for more. I am worth more." <laughs> and he got, they got more. But then he said, "Thank you for letting me go. I'm going to come back and kill you all." And this is Julius Caesar we're talking about, and he did. There you go. <laughs> Talk about payback. Jeez. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> nice. Another cool one is uh, going off half cocked. That's probably a term you probably heard a lot of. Yes. Um, so that's premature firing of your of your pistol. So they say, don't go off half cocked, which means, so when you have a pistol, you can either pull it half with the, the actual mechanism, the flintlock, you can either mm-hmm. pull it halfway or all the way back. So you can have it, so pull it halfway back uh, so you can put all the, the, the powder in the pan and such like that, but you can leave it there. So the idea is that you can actually just, you know, quickly pull and, and fire. The problem is that if it actually, if you locked it, it had a possibility of going forward and then firing the weapon. So if you're trying to do any sneaky business, if you're trying to like board a ship in the night, you know, sneaky uh, about, you know, you don't go off half cocked, like don't go crazy. And then suddenly, you know, boom, you give the whole game away. Yeah, I think it means don't don't go out of control. Half cocked means you're not in control of the weapon. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it's a lot about, you know, having control versus not having control. I love the idea that. And this is something that Rob taught me is that they had left-handed and right-handed pistols. Did not know that. They were designed for left and right hand because you could go in with both barrels. Both barrels. Uh. Yeah. One in each hand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Double fist, <laughs> both barrels blazing. And I mean, they just shot one musket ball each, but the... Um, they had uh, they were solid. These things were really solid. Mm-hmm. And once you uh, didn't have a musket ball, you could just bludgeon your yeah. opponent out of commission if you got close enough to them. Um, so I, I that's one of the things I do in the show. I show off both barrels. And she shoots off of both barrels. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we, yeah, we do that. We do that shtick. She comes out with two pistols, and you say, "Hey, why do you have two pistols?" Okay. I'm going on both barrels. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice. you, know, you need to swing. If you're going to swing across the ship, well, you're going to have, if you're going to use your right hand to swing, you need to have a pistol in your left hand. Yep. Or if you're coming across with a, you know, the, the, the cutlass in your right, and you got to have a pistol in your left. Well, like Blackbeard with all his pistols, half of them would be left, half of them would be right. Oh, so makes sense. Makes sense. I did not realize there was a left and a right handed for a pistol. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. They used to, they used to have the left handers go in the, um, in the turrets because the right handed, Swordsmen couldn't go up the turrets because they'd always be slicing against the wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, so there's lefties. Yeah, and of course, Princess Bride, the best pirate movie ever made. They uh, they talk about the you know, ah, I didn't tell you, I am left. I'm not right. I'm not left-handed. The whole initial fight, they're they're fighting left-handed. By the way, you recently got married. Congratulations! Yay! Any, Yay. any pirate day sneak into that ceremony? Um, sort of. Um, I brought, it, well, it was more of a tiki influence wedding, to be perfectly honest. It was romantic tiki. It's hard to make pirate things romantic and pretty. And as much as we love cosplaying as pirates and doing that, it's hard to make it elegant. So we really went we more did, with we a... We did have some influences. There were some We did have some. It was yes. very tropical influenced, very tiki influenced, which, you know, pirates were very tropical in certain mm-hmm. parts of the world. We had beautiful hibiscus flowers and orchids, plumera, bird of paradise, and monstera leaves and um, banana leaves. Uh, so it looked like something out of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It was very, very colorful. Our, all of them fake, by the way. All of them were All fake. of them fake, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to get uh, real tropical flowers uh, without, um, yeah. you know, paying a fortune in Canada, for them. So exactly. Yeah. In Canada, yeah, that was, but that's what I wanted. So um, our signature drink our, was a rum cocktail we called Beyond the Sea. So that was our, our signature drink. And uh, I made the cake and 
One of our tiers that I made was a spiced vanilla rum that was flavored with Rob's powder and shot spiced rum. Nice. Um, Yeah. And uh, we had tiki torches everywhere. We cut the cake with a sword. Of course. um, Which, I mean... (laughs) Could say it's very pirate. pirate right there. You go. Exactly. Right. It, it's also very navy. It's a real navy tradition to cut the uh, cake with a sword. But, how but we it's cut not... it was a little more piratey. That's yes. right. The way we cut it. I, I had a bit of, let's say, trouble with the uh, cake. I've, I've never made a cake before and I did spend months practicing, but I'd never made a cake in uh, July heat. Um, yes. And it, uh, it almost collapsed um and yes so my friend jen and i she's an exceptional baker and she helped make the best american uh buttercream icing i've ever tasted while we were you know icing the cakes and stacking them one of the tiers started falling apart and we spent hours and hours the day before the wedding Mm -hmm. trying to salvage oh no (laughs) So much icing went on this cake to keep it from collapsing and uh, chopsticks were stuck in it to give it, um, yeah, to, to hold it upright and to keep it from collapsing. And that this was all the day before the wedding. And by by the time the wedding rolled around the following day, uh, I had pretty much uh, lost all of my patience with the cake. So when it came to cutting it, I... I really went Grace O'Malley on this cake. I uh, we have some pictures of me <laughs> yielding the sword. I, I, I it looks like I was about to uh, chop it into a hundred pieces. Of course, that's one. That's one thing you don't want to be worrying about the day before your wedding is the cake. That's so hilarious. Yes. That's the one thing you're concerned about. Yes. Well, I was I was laser focused on that cake while Rob and my maid of honor and her daughter focused on the reception and making it beautiful and doing all those little details so quite frankly um by the time i you know was done with the cake i was completely relaxed and everything was done and i didn't have to worry about it so as a bride that was fantastic but uh yeah it was uh it was a lot of fun it was it felt very tropical because it was very hot everyone loved it and uh, we were just lucky we were just really lucky to do it because we'd been putting it off for COVID for so long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and then Rob was uh, sent to Poland for uh, an indeterminate amount of time, about three months prior. Oh no! He 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 came back two weeks before the wedding. He he left, and half the invitations had gone out. And we had to pump the brakes on the wedding (laughs) and in case he wouldn't be back uh, in time, but he was back a couple of weeks uh, in time. And we pulled out a shotgun wedding three years in the making. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm actually very impressed with you, Rob, because usually, you know, when it comes to wedding plans, it's usually the, 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 the girl, the woman that actually kind of goes through the whole list of things that need to get done. And it's like, it's, it sounds pretty cool that you guys did it together. Like you actually contributed to the whole cause. I had all the plans everywhere. It's what I do in the military. I had plans and plans everywhere. And my best man was my uh, executive officer when I was the captain of the ship. So we were all like just in lockstep. Okay, I do this. What about this? Boom, boom, boom. But we also did it at the Navy mess here in, in Kingston. So the, with the open bar. There's a oh. no, no. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We ran out of rum. Yeah, they ran out of rum because of our signature drink. Everyone loved it. Uh, I fed you a few there, Erica. That's what also helped you relax you a bit. We also made sure that it was like, yeah, before the before the wedding, yeah, the bar's open. Like, what, really? So, yeah, yeah, go grab a drink before the wedding. Like, so the service, everybody had drinks in their hand. Yeah. Which made it that was another piratey kind of thing. So, <laughs> was half cut before, the, before the wedding was even finished, everyone was already. That's funny. They're sipping away. Did he, did he see I do? Did she see I do? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not paying attention. Like, I, I talked to the guy at the bartender. Can you go out there and like serve some more drinks during the service? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> no, we didn't go that far. Thank you. <laughs> But everybody had you know their lanes around their neck and drinking drinking uh, during the, the service was outside and all the boats flying by making all sorts of noise. That was all uh, yeah. There was definitely some piratey piratey things in the piratey tiki. Uh, yeah, I, I say it's it like pirate tiki. tiki and navy. Like you just kind of yeah. three yeah. different things combined. It's it's amazing. All, all squished together. That it was it was as personal as it gets. It was there we go. it was very much us. It was a long time coming, but it was worth doing. I highly recommend it. Yeah. That's so wonderful. After, a, uh, after a 23, 23 year engagement. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Whoa. <laughs> That's yeah, not recommended last... for everybody out there, by the way. Uh, yeah, oh, just, absolutely. You know. The last, the last words of the ceremony were um, 
uh, may their in may their marriage last as long as their engagement. Ah, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, Mark. How long were you engaged before you guys got married? You and Linda got married. Oh, about eight years. That's that's species about the norm. I hear from most people, it's like eight years, eight ten years. Yeah, yeah. Um, might have been longer. I can't remember now. <laughs> but no, I yeah, about eight to ten. That's more like it. There you go. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So you guys are part of a uh, part society and you said you have your own um, team. It's called Cut and Run. So maybe you guys could talk about that. Like, how did that start? How did you guys create this Cut and Run? Wow. Okay, that's a big, that's another big story. Um, so quite literally about 20 odd years ago, we were doing all these, all these Renaissance plays with lots of fighting involved. Uh, and actually, you know, all, the first parts of the Caribbean movie uh, came out. And so a group of us were like, hey, um, they went to the big movie theater here in Kingston, had a big, huge open area in front, covered big uh, open area. And we we're like, hey, do you guys want us to do some stuff? They're like, what do you mean? So I showed them a bunch of pictures of things that we had done. And they're like, holy crap, yeah, that'd be cool. So we would actually, before each, so we, we set up a big, uh, like a dock side out in front of the theater. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of routines, different people were doing with each other. Uh, we got the St. Lawrence 2, the tall ship that's here involved. So they had pe- people there with some stuff and they were, you know, promoting their uh, sale experience, their sale program for kids. And then we would even go into the theater in be- before each show, we would go in and introduce the movie and have a bit of, bit of a fight. Oh, no uh, way. And, it's awesome. And, oh, yeah. We got the kids out in front. And, and you know, like, the kids, it was open, opening night. So when kids would come like dressed up, they're like, ah, hello, pirate. Ah, we do all this and get them involved. And they love that. And so we did that for the next few um, parts of the Caribbean movies. We got hired to do a couple other shows. But then after a while, like, you know, we, people went off in different directions. So um, a few, and that, that lasted for a while. We did a school, we were training people and such. And then we kind of, you know, kids and things kind of came along. But the last few years, so about five, six years ago, we started this back up again because of all these pirate festivals. It's like, holy crap, we can do this again. So all the stuff that we had in storage, we just brought out. Started setting up at the, at the festivals, and we get contracted to do these these shows. Like I said we did Guelph last year. We we started with another society that we were doing with them and doing these shows, but then we just started we started doing them ourselves. But there's about six of us that are doing this. It's people doing different different skills. Um, one guy is a fantastic uh, fabricator. He can just make anything out of nothing. Wow. Uh, he's also a fighter as well, but he really focuses on building stuff. So it looks really period. Like he's got this really cool, it's a barrel, but actually it's a big giant, uh, one of those big giant thermos things for water, but it looks like a barrel. So we can have that in our camp, but you just kind of come up behind it and go, and have a water. Come out. <laughs> Another one. Sure, is, sure there's water in there, Rob. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's very clear. Uh, yeah, we don't drink the water, man. It's all around there. Um, Another one is, it looks like a, um, a big treasure chest but once again you you open it a certain way and there's a cooler but you open it another way and it's a treasure <laughs> chest and it's like oh that's really clever and he made the big heaving line uh target and stuff like that fantastic build stuff uh, another guy he's uh he's you see, a videographer photographer professional photographer and a stage mm-hmm. manager so that's in, in our group that's what he used to do so he's fantastic at doing that uh you know, erica you know is a, a fighter as well as an artistic director so, you know, she's kind of putting it together to make sure and to making sure we all kind of keep in, keep in line and keep on track, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. That's um, right, Erica. You got to keep all these guys in line, right? <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what the, that's what my two barrels are for. Yeah, exactly. And she, 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 oh, she, there she, you go. But, the butts just start whacking at us. Yeah. So, so she, <laughs> you're out of line. You're out of line. <laughs> she's all about being quick. To, to, to get in, uh, another guy who's another main, main fighter as well. So, he, so when we were doing all the shows uh, and because we're all like you know, a little older. Which is kind of funny, but uh, speak for yourself. Yeah, true enough. Oh, there you go. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Forever young. Forever young. What the one of the, the things we do is we talk about the fact that we don't have a captain, but we do have a captain, Captain Tom Foolery, but we never know where he is. We don't know where he is. Uh, We're not the captain. Just kind of, where is he? I know we saw him over there by the beer tent. Oh no, 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 no! I saw him over over by the mud pit. Oh no, I saw him over here. And it's like anything goes. Oh, is there something wrong? I don't know what captain's in. Yeah, it's it's actually different. We're we're different in that sense because so many pirate groups they always have a captain. 
Um, and the, and sometimes the captain, more than one. Sometimes more captain. than one. True. Everybody's a captain, commodore, admiral, that sort of thing. Yes. The pirate queen or whoever it may be. Yeah. Um, and we don't. We we don't have a captain. Um, none of us want that responsibility. That's I've oh, been no. a captain really? for real. Okay. I've been a captain for real. It's not all that. It's kind of to be. So <laughs> no, because your crew, if we talked about this last yeah, year, your crew that's... actually elect you and also can demote you at the same time. Yes. Nobody wants that. We don't want it. We just, nobody wants to be the captain. And it's, it's almost like none of us, all the, all our characters, I should say, have no ego, no ego. Don't make me the captain. I don't want to be the captain. I don't want to be and, responsible. And don't want to be responsible. <laughs> we're, right. we're sort of a clown car of pirates, really. If you think that's about cool. It. I like it. I like yeah. that. That's a cool way yeah. of describing it. Yeah. That's awesome. So Erica, I want to ask you a question. So obviously you guys are doing a show and when we look at pirates, when we look at pirates of the Caribbean or the movies and TV shows, it's kind of like the glamorous life of pirates. Now, when you guys are doing these shows, are you guys also talking to the kids or educating them on also to the hardships of being a pirate? For sure. And, um, yeah. you know, maybe talk about that. Yeah, for sure. What we start off with, and we try not to get too dark because it is a family show. The The crux of our show is teaching the kids to be what we call powder monkeys. Um, powder monkeys is a historical description of the fact that in the maritime and in, in ships, um, they used actual children, very young children. Mm-hmm as young as six, seven, eight years old uh, on board ships to carry the powder for the guns and the cannons Mm -hmm. um, up for where they stored it on the interior of the ship to keep it dry, to keep it safe because it's an explosive, right? It's Mm gunpowder. So they would, the children, um, and most of them came from exceptionally poor families Mm -hmm. who couldn't afford to look after them or feed them or send them to school. They just send them onto ships. And these very young children, that's their entire job was to put the powder, strap it to their backs, mm-hmm. and they would just go from interior of the ship and go up to where the uh, the cannons were. It was exceptionally dangerous. Young children were incredibly agile, so they could you know go up lines and jump over things and go under things because they were small and very agile and they actually called them monkeys because they were swinging from lines. And it was actually an affectionate term for children to, to refer to them as monkeys. Now, they were powder monkeys because obviously they're carrying the powder. It was exceptionally dangerous. If they survived, mm-hmm. then they some of them would go on to becoming sailors and they'd learn skills. And those that could read and write might go on to become midshipmen uh, and maybe even officers. Surviving as a powder monkey, that didn't happen a lot. They were disposable. And we don't want to tell the kids in the shows, guess what? Kids were disposable. You're disposable. But, I mean, you're disposable. <laughs> well, but they, they had no easy. child labor laws. I mean, children were not yeah. uh, the same as we do now. And, and you know, to protect them and to make sure they, they survive into adulthood and, and they're okay. Mm-hmm. They would become horribly injured and, and sometimes killed. I mean, they could get blown up with this, this powder. So th- that was a really dangerous thing for children and, and um, it, you know, even the adults, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on board ship, they were typically young. The average age was about 25. Um, they could be quite young. And yes, we talk about the glamorous sort of fun, sexy, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a lot of fun. And even in the 17th and 18th century, they thought it was quite uh, romantic. Uh, people had uh, romantic thoughts about piracy. Sometimes people would even, you know, leave their lives and join ships thinking it was so romantic because they read all this very, you know, um, books and uh, publications mm-hmm. on how sexy being a pirate was. But it, it was not, you know, the best life to, to be. Yeah. They were considered the dregs of society. The social mm-hmm. status of a pirate was is the lowest of the low. The dregs of society, they were international criminals. Acts of piracy meant murder and stealing things at sea. And so yep. it was, yeah, you were the dregs of society. They uh, lived very disease-ridden lives. 
Scurvy, obviously, that's the first thing that comes to anyone's mind is scurvy because they didn't have a lot of fruit and vegetable to eat. So they were vitamin deficient, uh, which also led to malnourishment. And even though pirates were slightly more egalitarian than on um, Navy ships because they Mm -hmm. didn't have to compete for food with uh, the officers, they still didn't have a lot of access to mm-hmm. fresh food. It was dried food products, which just didn't have the same sort of vitamins. And if they could get a sea turtle, it was amazing. Sea turtles were a huge delicacy and, and fish, but a lot of it was, you know, just not very nutritious. Yellow fever was something they had to con- be concerned with. Malaria, smallpox, uh, dysentery, syphilis. We don't talk about Ooh. that though in the show, but <laughs> yeah, they had they had that and they had interesting ways to treat it, which I also won't talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what's actually interesting is is when I said they were international criminals, they created international law to deal mm-hmm. with pirates. When we talk about the golden age of piracy, it was also the the time that pirate hunting became so fierce because they were really, really interfering and disrupting commerce on a global scale. It yes. was becoming really, really serious. And they actually created international law that we sort of still use today. So any pirate that was caught at sea and tried at sea and found guilty at sea would be punished at sea. Yes. But anyone that was caught on land and tried and found guilty on land mm-hmm. was executed. It didn't matter what their nationality was. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter where they had committed their crimes. It didn't matter where they'd been caught. If they were tried uh, on land, it didn't matter who you were, or where you were from. You were an international criminal and they had the jurisdiction mm-hmm. to, to punish you. And punishments were really, really harsh. It was pretty much exclusively hanging yep. if you were found guilty. Now, and once you were hanged, And I think we've all seen this and thought, is that real? Mm -hmm. Yes, it was real. Hanging the corpse in a giblet or by chains Mm -hmm. on docks and where, you know, people would be near the water. As a warning, as a, you know, they got desperate. They were Mm -hmm. desperate. It's really morbid and awful, but they were getting desperate. They really didn't want people to turn to a life of piracy because it was so... Uh, detrimental to commerce mm. and, and to you know international um, waterways. They didn't do it to everybody, yeah. uh, and uh, they suspect that eventually they'd bury them unmarked graves, unconsecrated graves. If you cared about your immortal soul, it wasn't going anywhere because you know you weren't going to go in consecrated ground. But if they felt merciful, if you were particularly young, or if if Rob had mentioned if you were pressed into being a pirate because you were a really good cook or mm. you were a carpenter could use you and, and you didn't get a vote, by the way, if you were yep. pressed, there was, yep. they, they didn't get votes. They could be merciful. You might get a pardon. More likely, though, you could get sent to work in a mine in Africa, Oof. which in the 19th century yeah. was really harsh. That That was a a death sentence in of itself, but they were, you know, feeling merciful. Um, if we want to throw a Star Wars reference in it, it's like uh, the uh, Spice Mines of Kessel. Um, <laughs> you know, you weren't, it wasn't a good thing. Um, they didn't have imprisonment like we do now, not until, no. the, not until the mid 19th century did they really imprison people. And that was, yeah. that was considered very merciful. It wasn't, you know, transporting you to Australia, uh, but it was to reform you. Mm-hmm. But, back in the 17th and 18th century, you were only imprisoned as long as it took to try you, convict you, and hang you. No, exactly. And actually, a couple of things I want to point out, uh, just like in the Pirates of the Caribbean, um, in my readings, uh, it got to a point, any of you were associate to a pirate. In other words, if you were hanging out with a pirate, mm-hmm. you were also addicted to the gallows. You were also were You suggested- were harboring. You're if harboring. you were harboring a pirate, because if you knew someone was a criminal, the expectation was you uh, you turn them in to the authorities. Yeah. So friendship with pirates meant harboring them. You were protecting them from uh, from justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you you could absolutely they 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 weren't kidding around. It was uh, they got really serious. The golden age of piracy might have been good for the pirates, but it uh, it wasn't really good for anybody else. Yeah. Well, and we say about the people getting, you know, uh, associated with were getting this because a lot of times to begin with, when pirates were first doing their thing in the golden age of piracy, they were stealing a lot of things and then taking them and selling them 
in the colonies. And that was kind of the best place that they could get uh, more supplies. Mm-hmm. But then that's when it was, it was brought down. No, if you buy something from a pirate, you are you're an associate you're, to you're him. An associate, you're aiding and abetting, and yep. they're going to come for you too. I think one of the things also we've talked about in the past in the show, uh, the pirate show, is two things. One, like you're talking about, uh, Eric, you're talking about a glamorous life is because back then in England and France and all this other stuff, if you were poor, you were really poor. So there was also this adventure going off to a new world and eventually mm-hmm. a new start of a new life. So some people saw that as potential. And then also, too, piracy also started from privateering because the countries didn't have enough Navy. So basically, OK, well, we're going to assign private ships to go fight for us on top. Yeah. And that's and then, what would happen because the, those those wars would end and those people would no longer those privateers would no longer have no employment. Think about yeah. The English Civil War, that ended in 1651. The Nine Years' War was 1647. The War of Spanish Success in 1714. When these things ended, they all had navies that they didn't need anymore. Yeah. They had these guys didn't have jobs anymore. Nope. So but they were really they, good at, at, at attacking ships and, and yeah. stealing gold, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. They always say that because you know, people say, oh, I am a pirate. It's like, really, have you stolen anything at sea? Like, no, well, then you're just a sailor. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> Yeah, you right. know the international definition of pirate is, right? You know, it's like <laughs> if you don't actually, if you haven't been a pirate, you're just a sad. There we go. All right, Mark, you got the last question. Yep. I know. The uh, first of all, I just want to say I look forward to this every year because I learn so damn much about pirates. Uh, we love sharing this. We love it. We love it. You guys are amazing, and I love what you're doing with the kids and all that kind of stuff. And more than happy to have you here. Um, hopefully, we you can have us one time for whatever reason. Ooh, well, in Ottawa, hey, if you come to Ottawa next year, then we'll definitely host yep. you. There we go. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So one more question. It's, a, it's a Rob. The cool. um, You've been to a lot of places now. What are some of the most amazing rums that you've actually found? Because I know you do your oh, own at home, yes. that kind of stuff. So what's some of the cool finds that you oh. found? Well, so I've got two. One, actually, I'll probably appreciate the first one. So I was teaching a course in Colombia years back, and one of my students was from Guatemala. And he knew I liked rum. He goes, hey, have you ever tried this stuff called Zacapa? And I'm like, ooh, I like the sound of that. It sounds nice to say. And he gave me some Zacapa XL, and I'm now hooked. I love, I absolutely love Zacapa. Uh, so that's cool. But the, the neat story I got is back in 2013, I was deployed to the Philippines uh, with part of our disaster assistance response team uh, in response to the super typhoon that hit. And we're in the, so the Philippines, Panay Islands. I'm the officer committee of what's called the Civil Military Cooperation Group. So we're doing all these assessments and such. And I'm in this truck with a Filipino military guy and officer. And we're stuck by this truck because, okay, you know, just structure where it's I go, hey, that's a big 10-ton truck with open back. And that's, uh, that looks like sugarcane. And uh, the pirate in me goes, if there's sugarcane, there's got to be rum. I said, that's sugarcane, right? I go, yeah. You make rum? Oh, we're the biggest like rum producer in the Philippines. <laughs> you are now? So, <laughs> so it's it's called um, uh, Tandaway, Tandaway rum. Yes. Mark, you know that one? Tandaway is the largest, uh, I'm not going to steal it, it's the largest seller of rum on the planet. In no the planet. way. So, yeah, so Tandere sells 24 million um, cases of rum what? a year, um, and and Bacardi's only 23. Like, only How do we not have this in Canada? How do we not have Tandere in Canada? coming into North America in, 20, actually, U.S. in 2018. Wow. Was when it started. And even then, it was making, it was like 19 million versus like 16 million of Bacardi. Well, hopefully, it works its way up. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, what? So then I tried this one one time. There's a lot of stories I can't tell because I'll get people in trouble, including myself. But anyway, I tried some, <laughs> and it was like pink there. I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. And he goes, yeah, that bottle, that 40 ounce, that's $2 Canadian. I'm like, that's good rum, you know, for, you know, <laughs> you for $2. Know? Yeah, not too shabby. And there's Jeez. five more versions of this. Yeah. So um, we, long story short, long, long, long story short. Long story short. short. Did you just Sorry, say long story short? how much rum is uh rob had there yeah um enough never enough never enough by the way we have to mention that that rob actually got the day off today because the queen's funerals today uh you know condolences to her of course and so yes rob got the day off so he started off drinking a little earlier than the rest of us 
<laughs> well, I, I started off drinking a ridiculous amount of tea, actually, during the services. But, uh, five in the morning. At five in the morning. And uh, yeah, but for, for Her Majesty, you know, a toast and such from his friends online discussing. So Nice. Well, he, was, he brought everything down. I was telling a good story. You know, I'm a little sad. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So we're about, yeah. So anyway, we ended up bringing some of this stuff back. And wow. yeah, so it was a rum distillery started in 1854. So they've got an 1854 version. They've got Superior, another one. Wow. Got some bottles back. Absolutely. Just, just exquisite rum that, that like, yeah, the best rum in the world that no one's ever heard of. I'd say <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of it before. Mark yeah. has, but I yeah, have. Yeah, I was at a uh, Tiki event and they were there and they were giving out free samples and I just stayed there. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Hello. Like, oh, I, I was, you know, I was good for years. I was, you know, I was, hey, God, I try this rum. I've saved some. Like, I should save one of the bottles. It's, it's all my, in my, my mind. Um, but yeah, I was giving, I was, you know, people try it. Like, this is amazing. Where do you get it? Oh, the story. You know, uh, yeah. even Don Papa, there's one called Don Papa, another Filipino rum that's exquisite. I found that out in Poland, of all places. Um, and you can order it in Canada, but it costs as much like the bottle to ship is about the same as the bottle. So it's kind of not worth it. But, but yeah, it's wow. uh, I can't believe it. Filipino rum is, is uh, as I found two that are just amazing. But the Tandaway is <laughs> yeah, best kept secret for sure. Wow. Uh, so, so, so the question I have to ask, so a follow up question is like, so when you come back with these rums from around the world, because you obviously you're in the Navy, do you have to go through duties and pay all? Like, pay- I was trying not to talk about that. That's part of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his suitcase. Okay, I have so nothing to claim. That answer yeah, to that is that. So I, did, I did the calculations. I figured it all out. How much we were all going to have to pay for duties when we came back into Canada. We we're in the big C-17, big monster aircraft. It's just, we come in, we fly into Winnipeg and it's like, December 23rd, minus 40, all the freaking terrorists wanted to shake their hands and stuff. And this poor young kid comes on board, like must have just got in with like with with customs, comes on, and we we gave him all our our, you know, our custom sheets. And it was like, yeah, you know, nothing to clear, nothing to clear, and like five bottles of booze. (laughs) I don't have, I said, yeah, okay, so this is how much we all have to pay. We all have the money, we're good to go. And he's like, really? I don't. I don't, I don't have anything to take your money. <laughs> so, so he looks at us, he looks around and sees that we're all just, yeah, just bad. We're this, bad. This, we are, disco. We are shattered. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah. We disco. Our, yeah, yeah. our cannon, the powder and shot is, is, is wet and gone and all that sort of stuff. So we were like, and he looks at us, well, Merry Christmas. Welcome back to Canada. He's left oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Happy ending to the story. Yes, you, you can normally, yeah, you, you take, you know, a couple of bottles, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, different ways, they'll limit. So easy to yeah. two, two, three bottles. I found, so far I found, and I know what you found, Mark, as well. Like, if you say, you know, I got three or four bottles. They leave you alone. They, run, they leave you alone. Yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah. you got to think, too, is like when you go through, usually, like for me, I come off a plane, of course, it's like 50 people behind me. I still have to go through customs. And that means they have to pull out a form. They got to fill it all out. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's only duty on the percentage of the bottle price where you bought it. So these rums yes. I'm buying are like ten dollar bottles. He's probably looking going. We're gonna make a buck. What's, what's the point? Yeah, it's not worth the paperwork. And yeah, unless just, you say, yeah, I've got I've got four bottles, and you know, the reason I got them is this is a real cool one, and I don't have this, and you can't get this here. And so yeah. a lot of times you'll get someone who's like, hey, that's cool. Okay, yeah, you know, you're like, okay, you know, thumbs up. You know, like, yeah, I'm bringing back like you know three Texas Mickey's Jack, you know, kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. You're actually doing something kind of cool, and they're like, okay, that's cool. You know, okay, get in Canada. Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. So, the, yeah. So there we go, folks. This is all about the show about talk like a part. Uh, I'm so glad we always do this every year. It's always one of my favorite shows of all time. Every year we do. Uh, thank you, Rob and Erica, for obviously coming on the show. It's it's always a pleasure to listen to you guys talk about parts. It's our honor, sir. It's our honor to uh, to be here. Yes. Do you remember your pirate names? Oh, I knew it, I knew it was going to come up. I knew it. I think it was I think it was Cutlass Craig if I can remember correctly, but I don't think that's what it was. But I think uh, no, it was... I think it was Slippery Stevens. That's yes. what it was. Yes, Slippery, Slippery Stevens. Stevens. I slip away. But I can't remember Marks. So I, it was um, something Pat because it was after my mother's name. Right, yeah. right, yeah, like Black Pat or something. I can see that. I can see that. There we was go. Good. And anyway, I uh, yes, speaking as Jenny Teacups. There you go. That's her name. 
And Rob, what Jenny is yours? Yeah, William Blythe's. William Blythe's. Yes. There we go. Yes. So, Jenny and William, we thank you for inviting us on again. We love it. Of course, of course. And folks, don't remember. Do, please do remember on September 19th, every year, it's Talk Like a Pirate. Mm-hmm. And we'll do is we'll put some links on there for these guys for a cut and run on their Facebook page. Uh, there was a really cool video, guys, just just recently where like all the kids are doing sword fighting with Nerf swords. Yeah, well, that's what it is. The sword, what we give them, these uh, these buffer swords. I have to say, we are just mere fil- facilitators of violence of children. Nice. <laughs> Do the parents really like thank you afterwards, or they're like, "Oh, great! Now you're, my kid's gonna go home and beat the dog, right?" <laughs> Yeah, I teach you know, parent, you know, children to we teach them how to play with sword. Parents don't go too far because then they get to show you. We give you a sword, and you guys get to, to do this. Um, but I, I whisper to them, yeah, I mean, you get to beat your children. Like, how how cool is that? You know, <laughs> you can whack your kid, and it's okay. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. This is awesome. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. I look forward to next year. And if Ottawa happens, we'll definitely get you guys involved. For sure, for sure. And if you're anywhere, even if it's one like even between here and Toronto, we can definitely we can go down and visit you guys and check it out for sure. So Perfect. let's tell everybody who we are. We are www.tikicentralcanada.ca or .com. There you go. And on that page, we're going to put tons of links on the show for you guys. We're going to put the recipe that I made, the French pirate. Uh, yeah. That's right. That would Should be I. I, had to, I had to find it in there somewhere. There we go. Uh, we also do have our episode and recipe page. So obviously, those are great places to check out. Uh, we do have our subscribe page. So please do subscribe so we can go down please. and check out Rob and Erica's please, yeah. show. <laughs> we'll get in Mark's uh, Volvo there and we'll make our way down. That's right. Tiki Mobile. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes, obviously, folks, there's a cool link page, uh, tons of stuff on there for information for you guys. Uh, actually, I think I got to talk like a pirate book or a pirate history book. I'll tag on there as well for you guys. And yes, we'll, like I said, we'll talk some videos on there for you guys. So thank you for listening, folks, and stay tuned to the next show. See ya. Aloha. Everybody say ah. bye. Gar. Bye. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed. Guys, hey, guys, where's my drink? Uh, It it involves, yeah, it involves. Zesting um, limes. Yeah, zesting about 20 limes. Yeah. I don't zest anything. Yeah, I know. (laughs) 